0: Similar to a topic box, it's kind of looking at difficult questions that we're going to answer because it could be a difficult year. I don't know why, but you you just got a plan for the worst sometimes. (laughs) What human behavior or activity do you feel could be exposed as harmful in years to come?
1: stabbing people i guess is a pretty easy answer i think that Murder. might i think that might be dangerous now yeah well i mean it doesn't stop being dangerous like in years to come so it's kind of a continuous danger <laughs>
2: wait can you say the question again
1: what human behavior or activity do you feel could be exposed as harmful in years to come oh exposed as harmful vaping yeah i mean it already has been there's been people coughing up blood That's not going to stop me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Think about... I I think with vaping, obviously, with people who are having negative health effects at the
2: moment, it is still difficult to say whether it's purely from vaping because there hasn't been decades and decades of people doing it. So that might come out as being, like, one of the worst things that we could actually possibly do.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually just filled your lungs up with water vapour. But, you know, why not not give it a shot? Just, you know, (laughs) 50-50 (laughs) chance. It's... There's not much uh, science, or I don't know
0: how it compares to smoking cigarettes. Nowhere near as much. Uh,
1: yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's not really enough research because people have been smoking cigarettes since they told you it was good for you in the 40s. Um, they also told people that vaping was a lot better an alternative than smoking, but it might come out that it's not. It definitely is cheaper though, and that's why I'm doing it. It mm. is cheaper because I'm poor as shit. <laughs> and the behavioral aspect, I'm always quite interested
0: with vaping because. With smoking, obviously, there is like that behaviour aspect to it as well, where you're, I don't know, rolling up a cig, for example. But what I'm really interested is when people try and quit the vape, they talk about this feeling of having it, not having it by their side. So if they're sitting on the mm. sofa and kind of reaching to grab for something and it's like they don't have that thing there. So I'm quite interested to see how vaping in different ways might be more difficult to give up.
1: I, I think because you're allowed to do it inside and it doesn't make your own home stink, you end up... Because I, when I used to smoke, I smoked a lot less often than I use my e-cigarette. So basically, because it doesn't make the room stink, it actually makes rooms room smell quite nice. No one really has an issue with you smoking, you you using your e-cig inside. So I think you eventually end up using it a lot more often. You probably end up uh, kind of ingesting a lot more nicotine that way. So you probably end up being a little, like considerably more addicted to nicotine than you were previously. I think if you, if you listen to stories of people when smoking was kind of acceptable indoors, they were smoking like two packs, three packs a day, but now there's not acceptable indoors. People are smoking a lot less often. I think that's probably the same with e-cigarettes.
0: Do and do you think that the attitude towards smoking so over the last fifteen twenty years has been a complete change from the people that now have to go outside and smoke, and even like kind of cultural attitudes of smoking, whereby it 's not maybe as considered as cool or it 's even a bit annoying when your friend has to go out during dinner or at a bar to go out and have a smoke so how do, you, do generally do you think those cultural changes have been quite positive to reduce the amount of smokers or
1: i mean i I, I think that it 's still considered quite cool. I think a lot of people still consider it quite cool. Mm. Um, I think the marketing that the cigarette companies did in the uh, in the, the up until the 70s was um, really good marketing like uh, they, they, I mean if you if you think of like uh, the characters in a lot of TV shows and movies who are like I think they do it less now but when we were kids there were a lot of characters in TV shows and movies who were like cool and then fucking most of them smoked and that's all part of the marketing for like cigarette companies Um, it's probably one of the reasons I started subconsciously probably one of the reasons a lot of young people started subconsciously
0: can you give an example like early James Bond was he having a cigarette
2: I mean yeah. in all those films and in, in, everyone smoking all the time mm. in terms of like um deliberate marketing even things like formula 1 mm. um having like Marlboro on the side of a of a car I mean that's just like so obvious um, obviously commercials as well actually having it promoting it um obviously in 2007 was the smoking ban like indoors and everything was that when it also stopped with marketing as well
1: I I don't know uh, for sure but I'm I'm going to I'm going to assume it probably was maybe I think I'm not sure if they're allowed to. They they were allowed to for a little while after they banned it, um, advertising uh, cigarettes in general. I'm not sure if they allowed it after the watershed, like they do with alcohol. Yeah, but I'm assuming it probably was. But when when you get something uh, kind of associated with something that much, it's really hard to remove that from like the kind of collective consciousness. Um, So when you think of like a lot of like musicians who a lot of people think are like cool, especially in like rock music and things like that, they all smoke um so if you kind of as a young young individual identify with that person and think that person's like oh, cool, you're probably going to emulate some of those behaviors and thus you're probably going to start smoking um and they probably when those those individuals were children, they probably saw that on t v and then they start smoking and it kind of it's a kind of a once you start that kind of association it's a very vicious cycle that will continue to affect people for generations to come
2: i think a positive thing that um like smoking ban has done is that um i think smoking now is actually more social in many different ways because now you go outside to have a cig and you meet people outside and you go out and it's more of an event and i actually think that even though smokers were probably initially quite annoyed at the fact they couldn't smoke inside, I think there's actually a different culture around it now. And like for me, who's a social smoker, effectively, you can go outside, you speak to people for three, four minutes, then you knit back inside. And there's actually something quite nice about leaving the conversation or the table, going out and going back, which originally you would just lit, lit a cig there and just fill the room with smoke. But now you actually have to go out and I think that there's actually something quite nice about that.
0: I love social smoking. I am I'm feel one of the lucky ones who never really smoked sober. So it's always really nice to go out, just buy a pack specifically for that night. And then even if I don't finish it, it's just there. Mm. Um, But you're completely right. I think it's not just the smoking, it's the other aspects. It's, you know, going out outside, meeting new people, having a break from a bar or a club for a bit, getting a bit of fresh air, ticks all the boxes.
2: Absolutely.
1: I... Sorry, sorry. I was, I was saying when that, when that smoking stops being only when you drink, that's when it starts getting a bit annoying. Like when you're out for a family meal or something, and you have to go outside to smoke, and then you have to come inside smelling like, you know, like, like shit. Um, uh, it, it always starts as social smoking. It always starts as smoking when you're drinking, and then it kind of escalates to wanting cigarettes all the time. It's, uh, I, I find smoking is probably if it was up to if it was up to me i would have probably made smoking illegal quite a long time ago cause it just gets you addicted and then it kills you there's no real like positives to smoking really mm-hmm. uh it, you get addicted and then you die i mean the, the 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 positives of going outside and like being sociable fair enough i don't think that positive outweighs cancer but <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's it's a very aesthetic thing smoking mm. it's all about how it looks and um I was influenced probably by guitarists as well who, and I just thought they did it on stage and it was just part of them. Um, But when you're a kid, you don't understand the nuances of the politics or the historical circumstances. So you just see Jimmy Page or Eddie Van Halen with a guitar. He's got a sig in his mouth and he's playing and you think that's just what it is. That's just normal. That's just how it is. And you really want to do that as a kid, especially when you're really easily influenced as a child. Um, my dad started smoking when he was 10 years old. Back then, they were just happy to give him cigs as long as they're getting money in return. And he stopped when he was like 18, 19. But he was smoking, you know, 20, 30 a day when he was like 11, which is pretty hardcore. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting discussion, but the podcast isn't about smoking, is it? We've got another question coming up. Oh, okay, I see. From Charlie Hilton. <laughs> the question I wrote down is why are people afraid of admitting to others that they don't know the answer to something
1: because people don't want to seem stupid next question (laughs) (laughs)
2: um so people don't want to seem stupid so okay but but i would argue isn't it not more stupid to pretend you know the answer and then further down the line they realize that you've actually lied not to be stupid like it's one of those things where you just you're building up this horrible a
1: a lot of people don't have that forethought A lot of people (laughs) are stupid and don't have that forethought.
2: Yeah, so if like, I for example, today when Tom came in just before the podcast, you used the word, he didn't know what it was. He instantly admitted he didn't know what that was. Now, let's say that had been a word which was actually like a, let's say it had a, a negative stigma around it, and he started using it to other people not knowing what he meant. He'd feel like more of an idiot for incorrectly using that word. And I think overall, not just with vocab, but I think generally people should be very open about things they don't know about, personally
1: yeah i mean a lot of it, there, there was a there was a um i can't remember where i heard this i think it was probably somewhere online but it's if you want to learn some information instead of asking like what's this piece of information like what is this be- asking for that piece of information instead use a piece of information that's similar to it and use it in a wrong context and people are more likely to correct you than they are to um to give you the answer to your question initially yes So, uh, what's an example of that? Uh, an example of that would be like, instead of me saying, what's the word you used? Conducive. Instead of saying the word conducive, I would instead use it in the wrong context. Uh, I just got conducive the other night. (laughs) Yeah. I still don't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) I I drank some conducive last night. (laughs) Yeah. And then I go,
0: no, that's yeah. Because, well, that's an interesting point because yeah, you, people do quickly rush to correct you on things. And yeah. sometimes I have to hold myself back if it's something small. Mm. I mean, I said, um, li- no no more than an hour ago, I was, t- we were talking with Charlie and I said, oh, and she got really... You used drunk and
2: drank um, incorrectly with your tenses and things like that. And yeah. I instantly picked But you obviously,
0: up. if you're with the grammar police, mm. <laughs> like me, aka <laughs> Charlie, then you're going to get picked up and it doesn't really matter. But I think when you're meeting new people, mm. that's when you really have to kind of, you know, these things aren't, the best to kind of instantly, in the first hour of meeting someone, just correct them on something.
1: Yeah, generally. Yeah, I think within the first hour of meeting someone, don't do that.
2: Yeah, I think not just with... not <laughs> Got nothing not else to say on that, to be honest. <laughs> not just with like the English language, but let's say you're at school, or we've probably all been there, we're at P, in PE, and the PE teacher tells you the rules to a certain game, and you don't know the rules to that game from when they explained it. And you look around and no one else seems puzzled and you're going, I'm really um, embarrassed of asking, could you please clarify what you mean? And I think part of that is embarrassment and not wanting to look foolish. But equally, if you don't do that, you'll be the person who doesn't understand the game and you might ruin it for other people. Or you're going to get hurt, for example, because they've said not to do this and you do it. Um, So I think the thing you should do pretty much instantly is if you don't know something either keep quiet for a bit until maybe someone says it if you want to avoid social awkwardness or just come out clean and just say I don't understand that
1: I, I guess it's kind of like if you if you, if you you forget someone's name you feel like a dick for asking them their name a second time rather than you know waiting until they eventually figure out you don't know their name it, it, it's less awkward to ask them their name a second time but are you going to do that? probably not you're going to hope that someone else has mentions it um so I guess it's kind of a similar feeling to that. I think yeah,
0: I think this all goes off the tone of honesty. And in my job interview this morning, I just had a really good interview. They offered me the job in the spot. But one thing I didn't ask, because I thought, oh, maybe it feels a bit weird. Maybe it's a bit embarrassing. I didn't ask the pay. And when I was speaking to people after that, I was like, well, it's a job. You you need to know the pay. And I just mm. think some, sometimes you got to, as you say, ask that second question second time. It's much better because now I don't know whether to take it. Because I don't know the pay. Mm. I'm gonna have to email them. You know, now you're gonna get the person's name wrong or just freeze when you're yeah. talking about them. So these things are important, aren't they?
1: Yeah. There's also the thing about the 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 asking the pay. Uh, that it's it's kind of it's kind of frowned upon to talk about how much people are paid and that kind of thing. Um, but I, 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 I read somewhere that that was because uh, not, not because we it, it, it's not really that rude, is it? It's like, what what number of uh, what what number of these arbitrary units do you get for doing this task? Um, <laughs> but it's kind of been culturally we've kind of made it rude. And I think the big part of that is so that companies can pay various people various wages for doing the same job. Um,
2: well, the only reason why you do a job really is to get money. So it seems that funny how mentioning pretty much the only reason why you're doing it is considered
1: rude, mm. which is odd. It's like going to a restaurant and saying, "Can I see your menu?" Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of just being like. I'll have some food and then just see what they bring. Yeah, um, exactly. It'd it, it be, it be as weird as if you were in a restaurant and you asked what they had, and someone was like very offended by that. It's kind of a, it's a similar kind of thing. You, you get what you're given. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, do you want to do yours?
0: That's what she said. Absolutely. Why do men suffer in silence? Well, it's a question that they've that I found that just says it. But are we we don't even know if this is the case. Why do men suffer in silence when it comes to mental health?
1: I i i um, uh, it's because of um, in my opinion, I think I think a lot of this is a kind of the- theoretical and opinion based. I think that it's there's no there's no de- definitive answer. There's a lot of different uh, kind of there's there's loads of layers that come with tradition and history about the way that genders. Why gen people of certain there's people who are socialized as certain genders act in specific ways. I think Um, is is this true? By the way, do you think Mm -hmm. is it true? I think less so now than it has ever been. I think uh, men are men are starting to um, kind of learn that you can you can kind of start talking about things a bit more. Not not to the same extent that you know we should be able to but I think it's it's getting better. Um
2: I don't think it's actually tr- I, I don't like that question first of all. It's assuming that something's correct. Because it's already I mean. given you the answer that they want you to do basically. Um for example, the question is why is Charlie rude? <laughs> I mean, you, well you, because he's a cunt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you're you're already uh, you you're basically putting on informa- you're putting the information in their mouth and saying this is it why. Mm. So I think the better question is are men and then what are the question. And I think um overall i would say less so than women i think obviously we um keep things in and similar to things about being wrong we don't mm. necessarily want to show weakness and things like that but i think i agree with tom i think that is slowly going away and i think um with being educated in certain ways about certain topics i think men realize actually they can mm. um it's a very um archaic and like almost 1970s thing of your dad says shut up no you're not Mm. stop being a pussy basically and you're like oh okay well in that case i'm not going to talk about my feelings and you get a lot of these people who became alcoholics they have ptsd they got whatever because they've been to the war they've seen the mate blown up by a grenade and they don't want to go to someone for help because they're supposed to be the provider for the family and they think no my wife is the one who cries Mm. my two-year-old son is the one who cries i don't cry i think that is going i mean that's my opinion but i definitely see that as definitely on the decline
1: yeah i think um a lot of the reason why we've been like socialized into these gender roles uh initially is because they kind of wanted uh to like initially from like tribalism there was there were the ones that fight and there are the ones that raise the people who fight um, kind of, I mean, that, that was kind of uh, from, from like tribes and shit initially. And it was like, I think that, 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 that kind of, um, that kind of binary to do with, uh, the ones that fight and the ones who raise the people who end up fighting, uh, has kind of continued and then evolved in such a weird way over, over like hundreds of hundreds of years, or even thousands of years until we, like, when it comes to the division between men and women and the way we're socialized and raised, it's just very fucking confusing and doesn't really make much sense.
2: Yeah, I I understand that. And I think it is unfair sometimes because when it comes to mental health, men... Um, well, I, th- I think it's actually, it's kind of a double-edged sword. In some ways, men aren't taken as seriously with that. But when they are, people make a big deal of it. Mm. And I don't like that. So, for example, people go, men commit suicide too. Men have this as well. But the fact that they're saying that shows that there's an asymmetry. Mm. And for example, if I if I had some um, problems at home or I had some kind of mental um, breakdown and I went to a therapist and they said, you know what, you're a man and I'm really happy you came to see me. Um, more men should do that. Even though technically that that's coming from the heart and it's a nice thing. Mm. The fact that they're having to say that says a lot about why I'm doing it yeah, as it would, well it would be a bit odd as well it would be odd
1: from but
2: there are loads of people who post all the time and they say look men's mental health is a is a real thing and it says and it's kind of like yeah I know but the fact we're having to um say it yeah means that there's already like a weird kind of um what's the word where it's a, a yeah taboo is mm. a taboo
0: basically yeah um but yeah I, I think I don't like how that question's no. worded. Mm. it's um yeah it's not the best worded question I think I'd add a couple of things onto that First one is, uh yeah, in my experience, definitely of recent years, um myself and a lot of my friends are very, very open to the point where I've actually spoken to some girls, and they they've been surprised to say, oh really you, you tell you tell them that so I, I there's almost no stone unturned when it comes to a lot of my male friends um and female friends are good to lean on as well, mm. and uh just on that kind of social attitude towards it. There's a clip from, um, I don't know how relevant this is, there's a clip from Jeremy Cole, which of course isn't the best source to go to, but it's where a man's talking about his experience with his ex-girlfriend, who's there as well, and saying that one time you know, she was abusing him and one time she kind of locked him in the the house, closed Mm. the window and he couldn't get out and he was just completely locked in Mm. um, for hours apparently with no food or water. And the audience started laughing because they kind of, I think the way he was telling it, um, but they started laughing because they think, oh, you know, he's a man. Surely he can just get out of that yeah. and smash the door. You think she's on the other foot. Yeah. It's completely different. And Jeremy Cole, to be fair to him, I can't believe I just said that, <laughs> but he um, he said to the audience, why are you laughing? You know, if this was a woman doing it. So there's still that attitude sometimes where kind of, yeah, if a man is expressing that, um, that sense of, like, let's say, physical or mental abuse, mm. which, don't get me wrong, is much more rare. Mm. I think we all can acknowledge that. But just because it's rare doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And I think when it when people do go out and talk about mm-hmm. that, um, maybe it doesn't get treated as seriously as
1: it could do. Yeah, I, do, I don't think it does. But I think that's uh yeah. The, there was also that. If I'm not sure that, it was quite a long time ago. I think it was when I was about fifteen, fourteen. There was that story of the there was a dude who got raped by two women at gunpoint, and the I internet was just laughing about it. Yeah, I Which that, was yeah. which was pretty fucking dark but yeah there there is there is a lot of uh, generally i think uh, not so much now as it has in the past but generally a lot of um time that a lot of times that like kind of men speak up about things like uh domestic abuse and uh sexual assault which it doesn't happen as frequently to men as it does to women but when men talk about it they're generally kind of shunned about it or they're laughed at about it but like it was a gun point. You can't really have a battle. They've got fucking gun. Yeah,
2: it's absolutely. I think there's some horrendous double standards, mm. which unfortunately men are on the end of. Um, but it's getting better. And I, I always say this, and yeah. I know people sometimes get annoyed at me, but I think the planet that we're living on now and the culture that we have now and all everything socially, culturally, is so much better than we have been. And even though that doesn't mean we're perfect and we're not going to stop, we will still get better and continue to get better.
1: Well, my, my, my main itsh- issue with that point is that's true in the first world. Mm. In the first world, that's true. In vast portions of the world, that's not true. Yeah. In vast portions of the world, it's, in some p- parts of the world, it's worse than it's ever been uh i i think i read like a statistic that um 70% of the world um exists 70% of the world's population is paid uh less than $10 a day and that's like you could you can kind of still go with like oh but the um the cost of living is lower in certain countries even then there's still a basic cost to make things and for a lot of those things $10 a day does not really suffice to have a life that is kind of fulfilling and uh isn't kind of i mean there's living paycheck to paycheck then there's living meal to meal there's a bit of a kind of difference like a lot of these people are living in in very shitty conditions
2: absolutely well that's a very good point the next time I, i say that statement i'll make that slight amendment Uh, next (laughs) that
0: was a a dicky way of.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, why is Charlie so rude because he's a cunt (laughs) no it's true though but I I will Mm. yeah so when I say that I'll definitely mention the first world and actually it's more specifically I think it's the western world yeah Um, so completely on the other end of the spectrum a really fun question which I've written myself Um, what does owning a pet teach children about the real world and what are the transferable skills they learn from being around animals that can be used in later life
1: I think a lot of a lot of parents get pets for kids to teach them that things fucking die. It's really morbid, but I think a lot of pa- parents get like kids fucking hamsters because, like, in 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 a kind of weird way, they're probably preparing that kid for like the eventuality that one day their parent will die. Yeah, um, <laughs> the pet or anyone or anyone <laughs> in their life will die. Yeah, and they have to I, get to I think there's also a bit of uh, looking after something that's uh, dependent on you as well, which is probably quite good for like when uh, that child if that child chooses to when it's old enough have a child of its own um, I also think like kids like fucking fluffy things so why not get them a hamster
2: depending on the punctuation that's a very you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I Um I would say um, I agree with that and also I think um, if a child is taught from a young age this um, animal needs nurturing and food and whatever to survive they get a um, an early sense of what it's like to be, yeah, like maybe a brother or a sister, siblings or parents. So I think if a child, let's say, is growing up with a dog and they realise that the basic biology of life and death, circle life, etc they think, right, so I need to, uh, if I have a little sister, little brother, I need to make sure that I nurture them and this kind of happens. And I think that's a really um, interesting point. Equally, um, hello, uh, <laughs> equally um i think it gets people out the house and i think um mental health wise pets are really good in so many ways um just as a little friend who doesn't talk back (laughs) isn't rude just seems to listen (laughs) Um, doesn't give a fuck about your brother (laughs) (laughs) and like you just go out and walk and i think it's a nice thing for children and for adults um, from a mental health standpoint um a lot of people who um suffer from bereavements um especially um Old people who might be living alone, they like to seek comfort from animals and things like that. So I think that's a really, really good point.
0: And I think uh, responsibility is key. I I recently was home for about two and a half weeks looking after a cat. And that was the longest period of time where I've been solely responsible for a cat. And it's quite crazy the amount of consideration I had to think. So feeding at 6am, 6pm, being in the house to give him company, making sure his litters all sorted, making sure he's got ample time outside in the garden to play. So it it was a bit overwhelming at times. I kind of had to plan, if I was going out in London, I kind of had to plan around him. Um, and that was just one cat, let alone a dog, let alone a, child. a baby. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, I mean, I'm I'm old, like let alone a child. So <laughs> I, it's really useful for a child to go through that process of responsibility and teaching them. Teaching them, you, you have to think about other people as you get older. You know, you really do. You start to think about your partner, your kids, your family, your parents as they get older. So, I, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned, actually. It's a good question. What you don't learn, or what maybe kids could think about more, is the fact that the, that animal is the same as other animals what? that they might eat. Yeah. I've got no idea what you're trying to say there.
1: That <laughs> you're trying to shoo them into the, into the vegan dis- discussion. That was the worst transition I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I'll put a transition a PowerPoint slide transition yeah. in,
0: <laughs> but obviously the like a cat or dog that they have or a hamster, like they could be looking after the hamster in a will and then eating a chicken burger that night. yeah, but
1: to be fair, the hamster would probably also eat the fucking chicken burger <laughs> if, if it could.
2: Well, I think the dog would eat the
1: chicken, yeah, so <laughs> but we should could we eat the dog uh, S- I, 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 I mean you can if you want do you think you'd have a dog burger. No. Not personally, I don't no. think so. Um, Why not? Well, I I don't know. If, first of
2: all, I have no idea if it would be tasty. I've never had dogs, so it if, might be horrible. If, if
0: it, w- if you knew it was going to be
1: tasty. Would I eat dog? Um, no, I don't think I would. But you, you kind of... The, there's there's kind of... Uh, ye- like, hundreds of thousands of years... Of, well, not hundreds of thousands, but... The hundreds of years of, like, tradition involved in what we do and what we don't eat, as well as we have a certain... Uh, some animals that we bred over thousands of years to be specifically bred for eating, um, so it's in our collective consciousness, in our in our kind of culture, not to eat certain animals. So changing someone's mind like that isn't going to be easy. So, it's also illegal. Well, yeah, that too.
2: It's also illegal. You're not is allowed it... to eat um,
0: like domesticated animals like that. Yeah. But is it worth ch- Like, is it always worth having a
1: think about our current cultural things that we've got? Well, yeah, but you're not going like. Uh, I mean, the the truth is, none of us should be eating animals. When we 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 now have a in in, uh, I think it's Singapore. They've successfully opened restaurants that use lab grown meat. Nothing was harmed. Uh, there's a lot more sustainable for the environment and things like that. It's just not as um. It's just not to the point yet where it can be used worldwide. And also with the with the state of quite a lot of um, quite a lot of countries where they kind of rely on, uh, you know, eating grow like there's been a cult, tradition culture like well forever to kind of raise animals and farms and then eat them and so, I think
0: when lab grown meat becomes popular you
1: should still have the option of being able to eat whatever kind of meat you want I don't know I don't think you should I think you should be, eat the lab grown meat because it tastes it's literally the fucking same the only thing is you haven't slaughtered something to get it but I think I think in in some in some countries though they're not going to afford to open up labs where they can create lab grown meat
2: how can you have lab? How can you have lab-grown meat without a single animal dying? Because, because they just grow hair. the cells.
1: From what? A Chicken. From yeah, just they, they just they like they just they just grow. It's it's basically just a cube of chicken instead of like so a they chicken get a chicken.
2: They have to get an actual chicken yeah. and get a
1: hair from the chicken. A Hair. Yeah.
2: So they get a feather, or <laughs> or, or it might be a swab. Yeah. Something like that. So there's no animals involved. The hair of a chicken. I'm, I can just imagine a chicken with an afro. Um, it could
1: be stem cells as well. I think chickens yeah. have stem cells, uh, but they they don't grow like from. But I I haven't done massive amounts of research on it, but I saw like a little documentary. They just kind of grow a cube of chicken.
2: And is that still as not really, nutritionally beneficial as it's, normal meat? It's
1: the chicken cells. Yeah, it's, it's chicken.
2: That's very very interesting. It's just
1: a cube of it instead of like a chicken leg. That,
2: and it's boneless. It's boneless. Yeah. That sounds phenomenal.
1: Yeah, they have been they've been selling it in um in Singapore, um yeah they made chicken nuggets with it. I'd like to try that. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference because it's literally not different.
2: Yeah, I, I I would like to try that. That'd be very interesting. Uh, speaking of very interesting, next question.
0: I think the final question. How would you explain right and wrong to a robot?
2: My thing to that would be I hope that we never have to. Because if we do, that means that robots have become um, dangerously intelligent. Um, If we ever had to, then you'd have to explain subjectivity as well. Because right and wrong, as we know from our own moral compasses and our own cultures and social um, circumstances, um, they're all different. And what some robots might consider right might be wrong. So imagine you've got two robots and they were talking to each other if you told them this is right and this is wrong and I went to another robot and told them that they would then have a conflict. So I, I'm, I hope we never have to and if we do you'd have to answer a lot of questions
1: before that. What constitutes a robot? Because there are plenty of robots that exist now but Explaining right or wrong to like a smart fridge wouldn't really have any impact whatsoever. Do you mean like an artificial intelligence? <laughs> you can talk to a fridge. <laughs> yeah, you can, or like saying it to Siri. It wouldn't really do much. Yeah. Well
2: Siri knows what's right or wrong because that's just like binary. So yeah. so so they know oh, when I hear this I do that and that is right.
0: All right. Explain the right or wrong
1: to a cyberman. Well, there's no fucking point, is there? <laughs> Because you'll die. It's just, just going to delete you. Yeah. Well, it either delete you or fucking turn you into a cyberman. That's right and wrong for it. Yeah, which will be right for that. Hmm? Yeah, that will be right for that. I mean, it's all fucking but wrong for us. Yeah, it's all, it's it's, it's, it's uh, firstly the, the idea that AI is going to take over. The the only way that AI would take over is if a human told it to, or if it, if it misunderstood a prompt. Because AIs are not AIs are not <laughs> going, clap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> AIs are not going to become sentient because there's no way for it to work. They're, they're designed to. Um, have a load of information and use that where necessary because uh, while using prompts there's there's no way that you can you can get it to kind of look like it's a, it's kind of a expressing emotion but it'll never actually express emotion unless it's programmed to or it'll never actually do something so for example if you're like programming an AI and you say stop global warming well the most effective way to do that is to kill all humans but it's not going to have thoughts and feelings and emotions so
2: yeah, so something I'll say to that is there is that there is a law against this as well. So you, there's a certain amount of intelligence that you're not allowed to reach and make as a robot. Um, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but I remember reading about it as a TV show on it, which was very interesting, which was about the most sentient robot. And it was actually really scary because um, before it was basically taken down and stripped, the, the robot said, oh, don't turn me off. <laughs> and that's, turn me on. But, but like, yeah. if it, 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 equally, that, that's quite scary that's terrifying because it's like, because it's like oh no no please don't please don't so but that's obviously it doesn't have a mind it doesn't have a brain and it doesn't have culture but because it's been programmed with so many different codes and just ways of thinking it knows a way to come across like it was as real yeah, yeah like it was real so one of the one of the things that we have to get past is people's mindset of that doesn't Mean that it's like with animals, you shouldn't anthropomorphize with animals and do that because that's just a really dangerous hole. It's exactly the same with robots, and you shouldn't treat them um, the same as with humans and and treat them with the same empathy and things, even if they can give a very convincing uh, way of doing it. Like myself,
1: it's it's we we've had it's, it's just because of media. It's a really cool concept that a robot comes to life for, for entertainment value, but it's not possible. <laughs> uh, from well, from what I know, I might I might be wrong, but it doesn't seem like it's possible. They're, they're, they're designed to use information that they've been programmed with in certain ways um, to create something sentient. But then, yeah, to create something sentient, we'd have to do a lot more research into it, a lot more, but probably fucking thousands of years from now, we might be able to make something sentient. But if you've seen AI recently, the most advanced AI on the planet currently, I believe, well, the, the most advanced AI that we can use currently is a thing called Chat GPT. Which, yes, I've been on that. It's yeah, fantastic. as well. It's very, very cool. But First what is it? It's it's just basically just a it's it's an AI model. You can just ask it to do things. Like for example, if you want to ask it to write uh, a poem about uh, shoes, it'll write a poem about shoes mm. in a, in a pretty convincing way. It'll use all the uh, all the all the kind of all the things. will rhyme if you want it to rhyme. But then you can later then you can go down the line and say, oh, change power change uh, the second line and make it different. And it'll do it. But
2: I, I did that. I, really, I tested the limit with it. And I did things like, um, what would the world be like if Wayne Rooney was a fighter pilot? I just put that in. And it tells you exactly what it would think would happen. Mm. You can be as niche as you want. And it gets all the information about Wayne Rooney and fighter pilots and all the literature mm. surrounding that, puts it together within seconds and writes you something. Mm.
0: And so it's you, really weird. Could you, is it copyright if you say, oh, can you write
1: a really good pop hit? Uh, no is, is uh, it, you you can't copyright legally you can't copyright something that an AI does so they've been having that issue with a comic book where the art was all made by AI and it was written by AI um, you can't copyright it because a person didn't work on it so that's public domain so so someone can ask an AI to do it and then get the profits the profits wouldn't go to the AI the profits wouldn't go to an AI but you can't copyright it
0: equally
2: imagine if you said write me an essay for my music tech um assignment. It's four thousand words. It needs to be on this, 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 or this. It will do it within seconds. It doesn't reference properly, though. No, um, but it will do it. Neither do I. Also, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the the English and the grammar is one hundred percent correct because it doesn't get tone a lot of the times. So it won't give an academic tone all the time. Um, Talking of
0: academic tone,
2: love it. Tom's got to leave. Yep, he's going I, to York on the train. I am, and I'll
1: see you guys later.
2: I think we should keep this in. This is quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thanks, fun. Tom.
0: Have a good, w- have a good time in York. Who the
2: hell was that? No idea. He just came. That's, That's what, she what she said. said.